What's up? It's Andy Grammer with Jag. Hi, this is Carly Rae Jepsen, and you're listening to Jag. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Jonas hanging with Jag. This is Heather Knox with the hottest Jag I've ever seen. Ryan Seacrest with Jag. It's B.O.B. checking in with my homie Jag. So much swag with my homie Jag. It's the Jag Show podcast. Welcome in. I'm John Jagay. Today's guest under the bio section of one of his social media pages writes, Thought I knew what I was made to do, then God created podcasting. He runs the Podcast Editors Club Facebook group, which when I last checked half an hour ago was up to 5,381 members. And he probably thought I was stalking him at Podcast Movement in Orlando last summer when I crossed past them on the way to and from every single event, or so it seemed. Welcome, Steve Stewart. We did bump into each other a lot that day, right? That weekend. It was pretty fantastic. Yeah, it was just over like two days. Like we kept sitting next to each other on the bus to various events. And I'm like, I hope this guy doesn't think I'm following him around like a tick or anything. I, we just kept bumping into each other. So, no, I'll tell you what, that happens so many times at these conferences. And I love it because you do get to know people by bumping into them at different times. One conversation's good, but half a dozen small ones, they add up. No, and I felt like you and I got to know each other pretty well in Orlando last summer. So I was really thrilled for that. So, a lot to get into in just 30 minutes today. We'll start at the beginning very quickly. Tell me how you discovered podcasting, worked your way into it, and then made a career out of it. We were doing average with our personal finances, my wife and I, and then I discovered Dave Ramsey, started listening to him, found out there was this thing called podcast, started listening to that while I was driving a lot. Then learned out, this is something I could probably do, because I had a background of DJing. Anybody who might know or see me live or any of the broadcasts that I've been doing, of course, from home, because everybody's home now, You got I got a wall of records behind me. Mm-hmm. So I've been DJing for many years. I had the gear, had the equipment, had the knowledge to do a podcast. So I thought, okay, let's start, because I wanted to teach people personal finance, the same type of stuff that I was learning that seemed to work. So I started a podcast called Money Plan SOS in 2010, and then found this group of financial bloggers, which was the same genre, just yeah. they were doing it in print, and started going to a conference called FinCon, the Financial Blogger Conference. Uh-huh. It was fantastic. It was this community of people like me. And I thought, oh, this is great. I became known as the blogger who had a podcast uh-huh. and was always trying to get people to start their own shows. And then over time, it just developed where people started asking me questions until somebody actually called me up. Two well-known bloggers decided they wanted to get together to do a show, but they didn't want to learn how to edit. I'm like, absolutely. I understand. They're like, Steve, we just hit record. You know how to do this. Would you do it for us? I'm like, sure, but I got to charge you money. Right. Boom, it started right there. So it was uh, January 2016, we launched that show. It was huge because, of course, these two well-known bloggers had big email lists and they already had a following. And then that community that I was going, this FinCon community that I was attending every year and got to be known well in, just started calling me like, oh, we didn't know you did this. So I grew a full-time business within six months. You know, in the middle of 2016, I gave everything up I was doing. I retired my show. I had already quit the day job. I was working full-time on my financial coaching business, which wasn't doing anything, and found that I just love podcast editing, and voila, here I am. That is very quick, a six-month turnaround to go from one thing to another to all of a sudden go all in on it. It was insane, and that's why I usually talk about niching down, because I was niche. It's all personal finance bloggers and podcasters that I serve. The stuff that you do still edit, is it still all financial, or is it all over the place at the point? Almost all of it. I'd say 90%. There are a couple who are on the fringe there. And you think about real estate, it's not really personal finance, but it is investing and it's personal finance and investing go hand in hand. So most of the stuff I do is personal finance though. Stacking Benjamin's show, they're award-winning. Oh yeah. One of the biggest. Afford Anything by Paula Pant. 
one of the biggest. There's just a few of them that I've, I've been lucky to be able to partner with over the years. And Joel Salcihi was uh, wonderful enough to come on a panel that I did here in Detroit. So uh, he is just one of the greatest, nicest guys on the planet. So He is. Yep. So you start doing this full-time. You're like, oh, wow, there's a career to be made out of editing podcasts full-time. And then how did you come up with the idea of bringing all these podcast editors together from all over the place and sort of into a central location and discussion on Facebook? Well, I was joining all those Facebook groups over the years. You know, podcast movement, mm -hmm. podcast hangout, all those. And you get to see the same questions over and over again. It's all from newbie podcasters. Yeah. And there weren't any deep discussions about post-production. So again, I started doing this for other people in January, 2016. It was a full-time job by June, July. So January, 2017, I was like, you know what? There's no group for podcast editors. Actually it was, but there's only four members. Hmm. I'm like, I'm going to start my own. And it, it was amazing because within just a couple of days, I had a hundred people. Wow. And over the past three and a half years, it's 5,300 members. And everybody says it's the greatest group because we focus on the podcast post-production aspect yes. of podcasting. We don't talk about, you know, what microphone do we use, what mixer <laughs> to use, what service to use to record, all that stuff. We talk about the post-production side. We put on our podcast editor hats, and I make sure that everybody sticks to that rule because if we vary away from that, if we go away from our niche, then we become like every other group, and I don't want that to happen. Well, in full disclosure, you rightfully so called me out on a post that I made in the group <laughs> yesterday because I got a little bit too far into the more of a host and less of an editor thing. But I understand now when you put it that way, because there are these great podcasting groups for a newbie podcaster that have 30, 40,000 members or whatever it is. But you're right. I scroll through them and I see, what mic do I use? Hey, I just started a podcast. Hey, I had my first hundred downloads. Hey, how do you make money on a podcast? And it's these same basic questions that... So I think the reason I veered toward the podcast editors group with my question yesterday was because these are people who really have that niche and get it and usually have an answer to a question. Does anybody use Anchor? <laughs> <laughs> you see that question every single day. No way. No way. Not in my group. A bunch of posts about Anchors and Blue Yetis. We could go on on that all day. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> yeah. Steve, if you were having a conversation or sitting at podcast movement across the table, assuming that, you know, we weren't social distancing and all that. And you had to give three pieces of advice to somebody who is beginning to edit podcasts. What would they be for someone just starting out? All right, just starting out. Uh, you're going to get frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I've got to give you advice on how to, well, no, we're going to skip all that because everyone knows. It's just like everything else. If you're trying to start something, it's going to be frustrating because you're not going to get traction. I was blessed because it turned around in six months, but I'd been working on that relationship building with my peers that I edit for now for eight years. Mm -hmm. So overnight success after eight years. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, best advice for a podcast editor. First of all, I would say get to know your DAW really well, your digital audio workstation, your software. Get to know it really well because there's nothing worse than spending three hours on a 30-minute recording. Mm. There really isn't. Uh, and I've done that before. I had at one time I had a recording that was 80 minutes long. I, I edited it down because there's so much crap and noise. Edited it down to 55 minutes. It was the longest eight hours of my life. Oh. It was ridiculous. And that was early on. And I, I only charged like 60 bucks for that job. You, you know, that's way less Lesson than learned, wage. yeah. Yeah. So the first is get to know your gear, I guess you'd say. Get to be better at your craft. That, of course, I'm still doing. I'm still learning how to do things better. Absolutely. Uh, second one would be to make sure you're pricing yourself right. I don't want to say pricing what you're worth because at the beginning, you need to start a little bit lower than what you think you are worth, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I still have a problem charging what I think I'm worth. 
just because I have that in me, but I'm the same way. I'm a people pleaser and I sometimes have a hard time telling saying somebody, no, I, you need to give me this amount of money. Like, you know, for example, I had a client that their podcast was much longer than it normally was this previous time around. I said, Hey, I got to charge extra for this. This is, you know, an hour and a half instead of an hour. And it's going to be that much more work. And she said, well, you've always been fair to me. No problem. So good. it's always good to get that reinforcement when you ask for something. Sometimes it can be hard, but more often than not, if you do it right, somebody's going to say yes. Yeah. And you said for a beginner. So let me go back to okay. what a beginner has. Cause so what you're saying is you've always been fair to them and you can charge a little more. And that's one thing you want to get to is the point where, you are starting to raise your rates on new clients or existing clients, however you decide you want to do it, and know that eventually they're going to say no because it's too expensive. That's where you need to stop. Yeah. But when you're starting out, you might charge a little bit less. But do not, I would say, do not charge less than $20 an hour of your time, regardless how you charge for it. Yeah. You know, if it takes you three hours to do a job, 20 bucks an hour is the minimum you should be making if you're going to be doing this for money, because if you do any less than 20 bucks an hour, you've got to pay your taxes. You got stuff to, you know, you're eventually going to buy a new computer. Mm-hmm. There might be services that you, you rent or buy plugins for your DAW, things like that. After all those expenses, you're making less than minimum wage. Again, you can go flip burgers at McDonald's instead. So minimum $20. Of course you want to more than double that over time. And you guys did a pretty extensive survey on figuring out where folks' rates were within the podcast editors group because sometimes it's a difficult conversation to have between folks say, well, what do you charge? Well, what do you charge? Sometimes it's taboo to talk about money like that, but you actually did that survey and got some pretty interesting results. Yeah, I did the survey and didn't really think about the results that were coming from it. I was just interested because I want to know what people are charging for, and I gave the parameters. 60 minutes of audio. It could be one or three or 10 pieces. didn't matter. Mm -hmm. You did the ums, you know, chopped out the crap. You did basic noise reduction, level the volume, the basics. You don't have to get into high quality engineering and stuff here. You just have to do the basics. Uh, Mix it down to MP3 with the whole thing assembled. What would you charge for that? And what we found out, uh, Mark Deal, my business partner in the Podcast Editor Conference and Podcast Editor Academy, did some regression testing, which I learned is digging into the data and going back and seeing what people's results, you know, what their, their answers were. He found that the average that people would charge for that 60 minutes was about 105 bucks. Okay. Anywhere between 100 to 110. Of course, we had answers that were at 50, and we had an answer that was like at three, 400. Wow. It depends on your level of expertise. But the average is about 100, $105 there. And then when we figured out how long it took, because I also asked the question, how long does it take for you to do this type of job? And the answer is always it depends, but you don't get that in a multiple choice <laughs> online form. They had to answer it. So we figured that editors were making about 40 bucks an hour. Okay. And that would be the minimum goal you want to have. And most of these answers came from people, I think, that were actually professionals. They're not doing this. They might be doing this for one or two clients, but for the most part, they're doing this as more of a part-time job or it's their business. It's not just somebody who's doing this for a buddy. Well, if you do the math on it, you say 40 bucks an hour, that turns out to roughly 80 grand a year, but then you got to figure your taxes are more because of self-employment. And then you got to figure out the money that you have to reinvest in your business. Like you said, whether it's computers or a new DAW, a new microphone setup, whatever that might be, you're going to take all that money off. So $40 an hour, 80 grand a year, isn't really that much when you break it all down and take all that stuff off the top. Yeah. What about a website? There you go. Marketing. 
how do you get yourself clients? Are you just going to use Facebook? And, you know, <laughs> By the way, don't. <laughs> don't just spam the podcast editors group on Facebook. That is not the way to find clients. I'll say it so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I gave you two. Get to know your DAW and then make sure that you are charging a reasonable amount. And then what's your third one? Yeah, third one for someone starting out. Oh, boy. Uh, join the podcast editors club because there's a lot of community there. We're going to help each other. How about that? That works. Yeah. So you mentioned these briefly, and I want to come back to them, and I regret not being able to come to the Podcast Editors Conference last spring because I had a prior commitment. I had an alumni event in Syracuse, which happened to be that same weekend that I already had booked. But tell me about the Podcast Editors Conference, how it came together, and how it went. I was living vicariously through social media and watching a lot of the posts from you and a lot of the others in the group. Yeah, that was amazing. I had actually considered doing a summit for Podcast Editors because nobody else was. Yeah, I thought it was something people needed, just like the Facebook group. But then uh, my, my friend... And now business partner, Mark Deal from Podcast Atlanta, Mm -hmm. he's spinning all these little wheels in podcasting. He's all over the place doing these little things in podcasting. And we were talking one day, he's like, you know, uh, he was talking to Chris Kremitzos, who's the organizer, founder for PodFest, which happens every year in Orlando. And they were going to do what they call microcons. Hmm. Uh, Now, they didn't call it that at first. We were the first person they actually talked to him and said, hey, what if we were to have a one-day conference the day before PodFest kicks off? Uh, Which, by the way, is something that... I think Chris may have experienced at FinCon, Chris Kremitzos from PodFest came to FinCon the previous year, and FinCon has been doing something like that with a couple small conferences, and it it works out great. If you're going to go to a podcast editor conference the day before a podcasting conference, it's a marriage made in heaven. It's like a breakout session. You're already booking the trip. Why not go a day early and get the specialized knowledge? Yeah, all your sessions are niche. They're all in one place. It's great. It's an extra ticket, but and it may be an extra day in a hotel, but it's the same locations, one flight, one big trip. Mm -hmm. You add an extra day to your travels. And we talked to Chris Kermitzos. He came up with a contract. He actually did this for like a half a dozen other uh, one-day conferences as well. So it worked out really well. But we had the Podcast Editors Club Facebook group to promote to, and it worked. I mean, Mark Deal has all this great experience on getting sponsors and ordering stuff because he was running Podcast Atlanta, which is the fastest growing, well, it was, we don't do meetups, local meetups right now, but right. hopefully we do again. But, you know, he had 1,200 members in his uh, local podcast meetup group. Mm-hmm. And he was running these things. He'd get sponsors and signs made up. So he had all this experience. I had the community. We worked together on that to, to create the Podcast Editors Conference, and it went over really well. Had some great sessions, great speakers. The whole day was just – I know there were little problems here and there as far as, like, the coffee <laughs> and where it was placed and the room. But these little things just paled in comparison to – how amazing the day was. And I think everybody really enjoyed themselves. And they got a lot about it too. I don't want to ask you about like choosing between children, but were there a couple highlights from the podcast editors conference that come to mind? Oh, as far as the sessions? Yeah. I think everybody's favorite was the last one, uh, which was one that I really wanted to have. The theme for, I'll tell you about it in a second. The theme for this year's conference was the business side of podcast post-production. Okay. We don't, we're talking about how to edit. <laughs> we didn't talk about RX7. We didn't talk about DAWs. We talked about the business side. So we had one on branding, one on marketing, we had one on hiring the right clients and raising your rates. We had one on additional services. But the last session was one I wanted, and I got Craig Wheland. He's a Cambridge Oral Examiner from Cambridge University mm-hmm. in Valencia, Spain. And he flew out for this oh, to wow. speak. And he talked about disfluencies and the ethics of editing. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. And I think everybody agrees that was such a great session because we talked more about do you leave it in or do you cut it out? And what's the ethics behind it? For those who don't know, listening, disfluencies, those would be a lot of those ums and uhs between sentences. 
Yeah, that and just stumbling like I do here. You're going to hear me you know, stumble a couple of times while I'm talking. What do you leave in? What do you take out? How do you keep someone being themselves and being real while also getting rid of the goof-ups? Mm-hmm. I mentioned that in a previous episode without getting political and taking a side here, but talking about Joe Biden. Joe Biden has talked about that he has had a stuttering problem for his entire life. Well, he has a podcast, and I couldn't help but think to myself, if you're Joe Biden's podcast editor— how much of that do you leave in that is authentically him versus take out to make it a little bit smoother? And I got to imagine that's a really difficult line to walk. Yeah. And everybody is going to look at it differently. But if we're going to get into that at all, talking about you know the ethics of editing, what I want to do is get rid of the speed bumps mm-hmm. and the friction is what Joe Salcihai would call it. Yes. The friction. Get rid of the friction because the listeners there for the content, they're not here to hear you stumble around. But you can stumble around and you're still going to get the content. The brain is amazing because if you think about it, if you're standing in a room full of people, like at a cocktail party or better yet at a party at, you know, PodFest or Podcast Movement or any of the big conferences, and you're in this little huddle, this little table of three or four people and you're having a conversation, there's all this stuff going on around you, but still somehow you can understand the person in front of you or next to you that's talking. Mm -hmm. You can understand it. That's okay. It's not ideal, but it's okay because the human brain can you know, just block out all that distraction noise, the distractions that are coming from everywhere to focus on the content. Well, as much of that garbage on the outside that you can get rid of, the better it is for me and that person I'm trying to listen to. And that's the goal of when I edit. You know, if I'm getting a really bad echo from someone, I'm going to try and de-reverb it. But if it degrades the audio quality that much, I can't. Yes. But I understand that the human brain is going to be able to get past that because we're used to listening to you know, if you're a Catholic, you go to a Catholic church and I'll tell you what, those high ceilings, <laughs> you're getting reverb in the speech, in the presentation, in the uh, sermon. So it's just something that we've gotten used to, but I'd like to get rid of as much of that as we can. You know, I think about, you know, on average, I would say I probably cut maybe 10% of a show out. So, you know, if it's 60 minutes, there might be six minutes of ums and uhs and likes and you knows. If it's 30 minutes, it might be three minutes of it. But what you said about the reverb is interesting, too. I think I've had a situation where I partnered with someone on a podcast series lately. And just in this age of COVID, a lot of people were on Zoom. Oh, no. And we could go on for hours about how awful Zoom is for authentic audio recording and sound quality. But for some of the folks I was interviewing, Zoom was the only option. And I think there's a little bit more of a tolerance for some folks listening to a podcast because they understand that we're sometimes limited in our technical abilities. And that said, make it as great as you can, make it sound as great as possible. And a little dialogue uh, de-reverb from Isotope works great, but I think there's a little bit more leeway that a listener gives you with the understanding that, hey, maybe we didn't have pristine recording conditions for this episode. And we're still so much better than skipping records and the tape hiss from the cassette player in the car. Which you can add in in some some DAWs if you yeah. want to make it sound a little bit more authentic. Now you're talking about sound design and audio drama stuff. <laughs> yeah, which is way over my head. Yes. So Podcast Editors Conference, it went off great in the spring. And the new venture that you guys have is the Podcast Editors Academy. So I want to give you a chance to explain that and talk about that because this is really interesting to me. Yeah. Once again, Mark Deal. Uh, you know, he pushes me to do little things that are good for me. We all need people like that in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, I try to push back and I just lose because Mark's smart. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the conference happened because of Mark Deal. And the Academy was something that just seemed to be the perfect match to come after the conference. Because, you know, when you go to a conference, a lot of people expect some kind of a virtual ticket. I thought, oh, yeah, I can sell tickets to see the videos again. That's cool. But there's only seven sessions. And how do you charge something to make it worth 
setting up the camera, getting it all recorded, converting it all, uploading it, hosting it, all that fun stuff, website. And Mark's like, no, we need to do an academy. Hmm. You're doing all this other stuff. We need to put it in a place so people can have a membership site they can go to for all kinds of education, not just the conference videos. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So we've got the conference videos in there. We're going to get the audio so people can actually listen to it like a podcast if they want to. That hasn't been set up yet, but it's coming. We've got resources. We've got discounts for certain things that editors or their clients might want. Uh, We've got a really fantastic discount for Chris Curran's Podcast Engineering School. Which is something that I've been eyeing for a little bit because my blind spot, honestly, is audio processing and lowering this frequency in somebody's voice and raising this frequency in somebody's voice and making it more pleasing to the ear. And we're going to have Tom Kelly on the show next week, and he's going to explain some of this stuff. But I was like, even the college radio station working there, I had friends that would listen to a radio station. Oh, the processing is off. It needs more low end or it needs more high end. That was never my wheelhouse to pick up on that stuff. So that is something that I really need to educate myself on to improve myself as a producer to hear what can be done in those frequency bands to really EQ and really make somebody's voice sound even better or sound great, as Chris would say. I should make him sell that as just its own course, the EQing piece. Because mm-hmm. the school, his school, I've taken his class. It goes from this is sound, this is how sound works. Right. This is a, a, a setup. This is a microphone. This is the diaphragm. <laughs> this is how audio reflects off the walls. It goes from there all the way to the end of, you know, you could do this as a living, you know, running a business. Mm-hmm. So he's got it all in there. But anyway, we've got a discount that more than covers the cost for one year of the Academy. That's just one example of, of another thing we've got inside the Podcast Editor Academy. How does somebody join it? Where people find out more information on it? The Podcast Editor's Academy? Oh, that's easy. They go to podcasteditoracademy.com. Excellent. Thanks for the softball pitch there. Will. No, I want to <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the show, Steve. I want to at least give you a chance to promote everything. So <laughs> if you can see what's next for you and Mark, you've got the Podcast Editor's Conference, Podcast Editor's Academy. I'd imagine Mark's got something cooking for you uh, in the works, right? Or can you not oh, say? I, I don't know because we just <laughs> launched the Academy uh, of course, we're trying to think about what we're going to do for next year's conference because we definitely want to do it again. Uh, of course, with the pandemic, quarantine, and all that, it's going to make it more difficult, but we want to do it again. I think in-person conferences are still worth it. I don't learn very well from summits because, you know, the dog needs to go out and then I step away from the computer. Exactly. I don't need that type of distraction. I'd rather be quarantined in a hotel with all of my peers than quarantined at home well, no, I shouldn't say that because I do like being at home. I get to work from home. It's wonderful. It's Absolutely, been great for yeah. four or five years. Uh, but we do want to do the conference again. So right now it's just the conference maybe coming up in 2021. And then, of course, we've got the Academy and that we're just trying to feed it more content because we launched it at a discount rate and we're building it up to what we think is going to be a $500 a year value membership. Oh, wow. Fantastic. It's got to be worth 500 bucks or why would people renew? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I have that carrot in front of me to to work hard to make that happen. All right, so let me come around full circle here. So earlier I asked you three pieces of advice for a newbie podcast editor. If there were one or two things or three or however many you want to give me that you could scream from the mountaintops for existing podcast editors, things you see people doing that just make you want to scream, stop doing this or please do this, what would they be? You edit, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Slice and dice the out of this. Hold on a second. Sorry, I kind of came out of left field with that one. I'll give you a second. No, no, it's good. That's an interesting question because I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to, like you said, the EQ thing's not your thing. It's still not my thing. And I took a (laughs) class. I spent a couple thousand dollars to learn about this stuff. And what's funny is that these professional uh, engineers, you got Tom Kelly and Chris Curran, I've heard them a couple of times each say, 
I still don't like my sound. I still dial it in a little bit more. I still am learning. And I'm like, well, if they've been doing this for a decade each, what hope is there for me? So we can still continue to learn. I guess for an experienced podcast editor, know your worth, charge what you're worth. You know, again, I still have that problem where I'm like, nobody's going to pay me that much. But then I get a new client and they're paying me that much. I'm like, yeah. am I ripping them off? No, they find the value in the service that I'm providing. Oh, so that's another thing right there is provide excellent customer service. Yes. They will pay you for the service that you provide them more than how good of an editor you are. They want to know that you've got their back. That's how I've got some of my clients. It's just they can hire an editor for less and get maybe even a better product, but they hire me because they know I'm in their niche. I've got their back. That's why they pay me. Uh, so that's two things. And then I've got another one I thought of. While you think of that, I'll mention that to echo that sentiment that uh, Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcast in Fort Worth, he's part of a little miniature podcast uh, editors, entrepreneurs group that I'm part of. You know, he said that when the pandemic hit, he thought he was going to lose all his customers. And they said, no, Johnny, we like working with you. So having that customer service, having that relationship with folks, most of my clients I'm getting through referrals because people have enjoyed working with me and I provided that customer service. So I think that is very good advice. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll just leave it at that (laughs) because I can't think of a third one. Well, and another thing that's really been bothering me lately because I don't have it in place, but it's some kind of a, I forget what you call it, but contingency plan, I guess. You know, if I get COVID at some point and I'm not able to work, Mm. fortunately for me, I've got five contractors that I outsource to and I train them how to edit like me and all this stuff. So I can outsource the work to them. Of course, it'd be a huge workload because I like to do the editing myself. Yes. And I do a lot of the editing myself and I work way more than I probably should. But hey, I get to work from home so I could take off at any time I want as well. But having a contingency plan so that if you get sick, if you get injured or something, you can't work for a couple of days or worse for a couple of weeks, make sure you've got a backup plan in that situation. Uh, one thing about the podcast editors club on Facebook, I've got a, a post there called Pitch Yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's where if you're an editor, you you don't pitch your services in the podcast editors club to edit for other people. You're pitching to another editor. Yes. But I have this one post and we refresh it every few weeks of people who are looking for more work and they're willing to be outsourced to. Meaning if I posted in this pitch yourself thing, I'm saying, hey, I will work for another editor, you know, kind of white label it. Yes. Rather than I'm looking for a client. That's a different question. Mm -hmm. So. There is help inside of that group. So if you don't have a contingency plan, this could be a good place to start. You had a seminar podcast movement last summer, and you'll have to remind me who the host was, but he was great, talking about uh, the business side of this. And the hardest thing to do is to hire your first employee. I think it was the last day or so. Um, I'm trying to remember who the host was because it was really great advice. I did a session with Daryl Darnell at Podcast Movement. It was fantastic. It was you and Daryl. It was toward the end. Daryl had said that, that the hardest thing was finding that first hire and eating in your profits by having to pay somebody else. And I'm, I'm just about to that point, hopefully, not quite there yet, but having that contingency plan, if, you know, if God forbid you get it, that's really good advice. Yeah, fortunate for me, I saw that there was going to be a point where I was going to have too much work to be able to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I had a community that I could go out to, which now everybody can do mm-hmm. in the Podcast Editors Club on Facebook. They can go to that community and say, hey, look, I'm looking for some quality help. Now, I had sold, it was 100 bucks, a uh, training course, which was live training. I'm doing it again here in a couple weeks. I was actually teaching my potential contractors how to edit. Ah. So my contingency plan was actually, 
you know, forming these outsourced people so I could grow my business. Now I'm to the point where I could make a living enough to where if I didn't outsource anything and I didn't have as many clients, I could still make a living. But this thing has grown so big, I need to start working on taking it to the next level of business, which is now maybe finding a project manager uh-huh. or a communications specialist or whatever to take off some of that other workload rather than just hear this person edits the audio and I get the rest of it. So there's stages of this business that you have to grow into. And if you grow too fast, it's just going to overtake you and you're going to mess up. And what you don't want to do is sour a relationship with a client because you goofed up. Absolutely. This is where I, and I feel like I say this every week, but where I give my wife a lot of credit because she is my CFO. She works in corporate finance. So she helps me with the books and she helps me say, she was the one who said to me, Hey, you know what? You've got your Calendly link for your clients to sign up for recording times. Maybe you want to narrow that down to noon to five so you can edit in the morning. When you have your coffee and your breakfast, you've got a full head of steam and you can take calls and do your editing in the morning so that you're not having this scattershot, start-stop kind of day where it's, okay, do a little bit of editing. Oh, here comes another recording. Okay, some more editing, some more recording. So she gave me that thought and it's worked out great and that I now have a designated time that I edit and I have a designated time that I record and figuring out workflow and little things like that has just been incredibly valuable. I think it's good advice for both a beginner and a professional podcast editor because I did the same thing a few months back where I had all these hours open, but then my wife, she's been working from home since 2014. Yeah. And her job requires her to lead calls with her team. This is even before COVID. Mm-hmm. So if I'm soaking up the internet because I'm on a call with you know somebody on Zoom and she gets disconnected, that's a bad thing. Oh, right. So I blocked off hours and guess what? I still get the same number of appointments as I had before. And they all just now fit into this smaller time frame that I make available. So it's okay for you to to say, hey, I'm only taking calls for these hours of the day and nothing on Thursday or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Steve Stewart, thank you so much for the time today. If somebody wants to find you, any social media or anything else you want to plug while we're here? Well, they can always find me at the Podcast Editors Club on Facebook. But if they need to find me directly, they can go to stevestewart.me. That's where I live, stevestewart.me. Steve, thank you so much for the time today. I hope to at some point see you soon like we did last summer and uh, – Hopefully we can get past all the stuff going on right now. Yeah, I hope so too, John. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Jag Show podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe in Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published every Tuesday and Friday morning. For help with your podcast, find Jag on social media at Jag in Detroit or on the web at jagindetroit.com.